Well, Crossroads, we're continuing our series today called Seven, and the whole point of this series is that we are walking through the seven deadly sins and identifying what they are and how they get roots in our hearts. Because here's the thing, if you allow these sins to go unchecked in your heart, it will destroy your soul. And so for the first five weeks of this series, we've walked through some critical sins that we need to pull out of our lives. Pride, because it isolates me from God. We've talked about greed and lust because those two sins can consume every part of who we are with unhealthy urges and unhealthy things that we are putting all of our focus and attention on. Uh, we've talked about sloth, and, and the idea of sloth being that sloth doesn't care if you're lazy and indifferent or if you're just absolutely fanatical about something. Sloth doesn't care as long as the target that your life is aiming at is meaningless. We've got to identify that. Sloth can creep into your life without recognizing it, and it's really important that we weed that out. Last week, we talked about wrath and how when anger, resentment, and bitterness, and hatred in our hearts builds roots, that, that that hatred, it creates a barrier between us and our relationship with God. And we've got to knock that barrier down. We cannot allow wrath uh, to have roots that allows it to grow in our hearts. Well, Today we're moving on and talking about envy. And envy is that excessive obsession to possess what others have, all right? Envy, I'm going to say it again, is that excessive obsession to possess what others have. Are you guys tracking me? It's that excessive obsession to possess what other people have. Guys, I can't believe the run that's being made on toilet paper right now. I don't know what your life is like, but the last week we got down to pretty uh, emergency uh, rations of toilet paper. We were down about five or six rolls of toilet paper in the house, and we're getting a little bit nervous. Like, how are we doing this? Some of you, you can't take your eyes off of these rolls of toilet paper because you've been using bark for the last three days. Here's the thing. Toilet paper is in high demand right now. And when people see this stuff, man, you should have seen it. When I was walking through the grocery store with my rolls of toilet paper, I was getting the, the stink eye from a lot of people, all right, because they were envious of my beautiful 12 rolls of toilet paper, which I don't know if you've noticed this, are actually advertised as 24 rolls. Did you realize that? They advertise them as double rolls, which I think is borderline false advertisement because you don't see people selling minivans as double cars, all right, just because they have seven seats. This is weird. We don't talk about that. But here's the thing. Bottom line is I know I need to get rid of this toilet paper because some of you are so envious of the 12 double rolls of toilet paper that I have. I need to get this out of here. So I'm going to throw this out of here. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to throw this toilet paper to you. Be careful. I don't want you to get hurt. Uh, there you go, man. I just want to say thank you to Ryan Stroop. They were up early this morning, so I know they're really wiped out, and uh, they've really been crushing it today. They are on a roll. So I'm going to stop right now, or I could do dad jokes for days about toilet paper, and we're going to move on, and we're going to get serious. Envy, you guys, is really important to root out of our hearts, because when envy builds roots, you guys, it consumes our soul. So when we're talking about envy, the, obsessive, uh, the obsession to possess what other people have, we have to realize that the contrary virtue to this is gratitude. It is that heart of thankfulness. Because while envy focuses completely on all the things that I don't have, gratitude, that attitude of thankfulness, focuses on what I do have. And let me challenge you today, right out of the gate with this reality, you have so much to be thankful for. Right now, we're going through some really crazy times. I mean, honestly, these are unprecedented times for most of us living and who are alive today. I've never experienced anything like what we've gone through the last seven to 10 days, and I'm not sure what the future looks like for us before this starts to calm down. And yet, despite the things that we lose, despite the things that, that are taken from us in terms of freedom and liberty and, and the fear that we walk in, you guys, we still have so much to be thankful for. 
You have a God who loves you with an everlasting love, and there's nothing you can do about it. You are dearly and deeply loved by Jesus. You are his child. You are his prized possession. Your eternity is secure when you put your trust in Jesus, when you walk with him. You have so much to be thankful for at such a deeper level to life than how much toilet paper you have. And yet, we get consumed by all of these rabbit trails in life, focusing on all the things that we don't have. And I want to address that today by starting with the beatitude of the week that we're going to be uh, asking everyone to commit to memory here at Crossroads this week. It's, it's the beatitude that Jesus speaks on in the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5, verse 4. It simply says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, can we just consider the depth of this for a second? Because when Jesus is talking here about blessed are those who mourn, he's not just simply talking about people who are, are, are losing out on worldly possessions, like thinking about what we've lost in terms of our possessions. He's not thinking about, you know, the stock market, you know, taking a dive this week. That's not what he's talking about. He's taking this to a deeper level. He's not talking about, you know, indulging in the sorrow of being discontent. Man, I wish I had those 12 rolls of toilet paper in my house. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something much deeper. Sometimes we get focused on our wounded pride. Everybody else seems to have it together better than we do, and we are envious of this. What Jesus is talking about here is much, much deeper than this. It's at a spiritual level where the kingdom is what he is focused on. What he is talking about here is quite powerful. When he says, blessed are those who mourn, what he is talking about is the realization that in my life, I have fallen short I have, I have failed God. In my life, I have sinned. I have not lived up to the expectation that God has for my life. There's a distance between God and I. And when we talk about the reality that what we are enduring right now as a country, as a culture, as a world, we're realizing that all the distractions that have been in our lives, you know, taking our focus off Jesus, they, they've been pulled away. We're realizing we've got time right now to really lean in and draw close to Jesus. And, and when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, those who realize, I have sinned, I have, I have not been leaning into my relationship with Jesus the way that I should. When, when he's talking about those who mourn, it's the realization that I am not experiencing the spiritual joy that I, I know that God created me for. The reality here is beautiful because he says, when you come to that realization, when you realize that you failed, that, that you're not right with God, you're not where you should be, when you come to that place of mourning, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That is such a beautiful thing for Jesus to say. It's not blessed are those who mourn, they're going to be smitten by the hammer of Thor. You know, God's not ready to smite you and, and be angry with you. That realization that I need Jesus that I need to draw close to him, man, that is a sacred and powerful moment. And when you have that realization where you're saying, I need to draw close to Jesus. I need to clear the mechanism. I need to get rid of all these distractions. I need to, be, I need to stop focusing on all, all these things that I don't have and instead lean into to who I do have in Jesus. When I come to that place in my life, Jesus will comfort you. He will meet you where you're at. It brings beauty to that promise that when I draw close to God, he draws close to me. And so I want you to lean in today to this concept that, you guys, this really can be the best few weeks of your life that you've ever had with Jesus. You have an unbelievable opportunity just to clear the mechanism to draw close to him. Blessed are those who mourn. 
for they will be comforted. Let's dive into this concept. Uh, what you see here in Matthew 20, verses 1 through 6, is Jesus explaining the economy of the kingdom of heaven. And a lot of this pertains specifically to this idea of envy and how it can consume us. Because when I get focused on all these things that are internal and all these things that are temporary and they distract me from my relationship with God, that thing that is important and of eternal significance, I, I miss out on the life that God has called me to. Because at the end of the day, the foundation for true life that is filled with hope and joy and peace is built on Jesus. No matter what storm I face, he will calm that storm because I've put my trust in him. He is greater than that storm. He will be there when that storm is done. Jesus is eternal. He is forever. And so when you keep in mind that reality, we realize that when we recognize what we don't have, we can refocus on what we do have. And so that's what Jesus is, is, is doing for us in this scripture, Matthew chapter 20. He's painting a picture of, of how we are supposed to live in terms of being kingdom-minded. Here's what it says in Matthew 20. Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. Now, this scripture is important because of context, what it's preceded by. Uh, in just a few verses before this story, uh, you see the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And, and, and Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man responds by saying, I've done all of these things. And so Jesus takes it to the next level. He was a very wealthy young man. He says, so then next, if you really want to be perfect and, and, and fulfill the plan that God has for your life, Jesus challenges this rich young man. He says, give everything you have to the poor. Give it all up and, and follow me. And instead of responding by you know, clinging to Jesus, drawing close to him, it says the young man went away sorrowful. He went away sad because he couldn't let go of, of his worldly possessions, right? And so the realization with Jesus' disciples was, man, it is hard for people to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Peter, being the disciple that always blurted things out and had embarrassing moments, says, well, you know, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. We're pretty amazing, huh? We're going to be rewarded pretty well. Well, that's the context for this story. Jesus tells this story in the face of that response. It's this idea that responds to this, this notion that we have to be comparing ourselves to everyone around us. And there is danger in comparison. When you think about envy and how it builds roots in your heart, envy is not focusing on what I do have in Jesus. Envy focuses on everything that I don't have. And so envy really is fueled in our hearts by this, this evil that is comparison, all right? And, and let me give you an idea and an illustration of what this means. Uh, when I was 16, I remember buying my first car, and I did this with my own money, all right? It was my life savings. I believe my first car cost $960. That was what I spent on my first car, and I thought it was amazing. It was a light blue Nissan Sentra hatchback, 1984 uh, version of this car, stick shift. Oh, just an unbelievable car, just a real roadster, if you will. And I loved this car, man. It, was, it represented freedom. It was my first car. It was amazing. Everything was golden until my friend Andy rolled up in his new Camaro Z28, you know, and I'm going, are you kidding me? That's a real car. Mine's a pile of junk. All of a sudden, I've compared my car to Andy's and I'm no longer happy with my first car. I mean, my car topped out at like 86 miles an hour downhill and it would be shaking like this. It was terrible. His car topped out at 100 and something I'm not comfortable saying. Uh, but here's the thing. I was very happy with my car until I saw my friend Andy's. It's that cancer of comparison. It makes me focus on what I don't have instead of being thankful, having gratitude 
for what God has blessed me with. Never forget, God will always supply your need. And envy has a way of taking your focus off the good that God has blessed you with and and pretending like you have nothing to be happy about or nothing to be thankful for because you always just want more. It's never good enough because you're caught up in this cancer of comparison. And I want to challenge you today, don't, don't fall into that trap. Be mindful every day of what it is that you have to be thankful for. Your God is faithful. He is your healer. He will supply all of your needs. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. Never, ever forget that. Never, ever let go of that because that is what, it, what is the antidote to envy. It's, it's thankfulness. It is this attitude of gratitude. So Jesus goes on to, to talk about this, this story, right? And what he's pointing out here is that envy rejects the good God has given me because it's obsession with what others have. It all starts with comparison. And so these workers, they start out the day's work saying, all right, we're in a group of guys. The guy who's hiring them for the day gets them all together and says, hey guys, I will pay you a fair day's wage. I'll give you a hundred bucks cash to go out here and work this field. And they're all like, oh yeah, yeah, You're getting, we're all getting a hundred dollars. Okay, we're cool, we're in. So that's how it kind of all plays out. They're all comparing, making sure they get their fair share. And then the story begins to unravel on them because here's what Jesus says. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. Think about that for a second. We've, we've been trying to get a job. We're, we're desperate for, for some income. We've got to support our families. Why has no one hired you? Well, well, why are you standing here? No, one, no one's come to hire us. We're, we're in a tough spot right now. So he hires them to come work the last hour of the day, right? So the landowner told them, go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid the same amount, the hundred dollars that the other guys were promised, this is interesting, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. See, not only does envy get fueled by comparison, but envy is never content. It can't allow you to be happy for those people who experience blessing in their lives. And I think it blinds you to the difficulties and the hurts that other people experience. Because envy, all it does is point you to the, the good that other people have that you wish you could have. It, it causes you to obsess over these other things that other people seem to possess. All the good luck, all the better than, all the stuff that they have that you wish you did. And it blinds you to the difficulties that they might be experiencing. I mean, social media is prime for that, the way we face that and realize that today, right? Because, I mean, these days, most people are just putting up all their filtered images, like the best moment of their week makes it on, on Facebook. You never see all the ugliness and all the terrible stuff that they have to endure, or how many times they had to take the perfect selfie. Like, it's the 67th selfie they finally was good enough to put on, you know, on social media. Uh, we don't see the underside of that. And I got to be honest, when it comes to social media, I never realized that was even a thing until about two or three years ago. I was uh, at a Chicago 
Chicago Bears football game. And, you know, I might need to give context for that. Uh, here in America, in the olden days, we used to have this thing called sports. You know, it, football was one of those sports. People would gather around in big stadiums, and they would cheer for their teams. It was, it was a great thing of the past here in America. Uh, anyway, I was, there, <laughs> I was there cheering for the Bears, and this couple in front of us, they wanted us to take their picture for them. So we took their picture at the Bears game. Woo! And... Uh, and I realized that for the entire second quarter, this lady was filtering her picture, making it exactly perfect so that she could then put it on social media. And, you know, suddenly it's this perfect moment, this perfect pose. I mean, I, it wasn't even the same person when I saw the last picture. I was like, who is that? Uh, but it was the perfect scenario, right? And we get pulled into that. Envy is fueled by comparison, but it is never content because all it sees is the good that other people experience. And it, it's blind to the reality that, Man, other people struggle too. Envy makes you think that you're the only one that hurts, that you're the only one that has problems, that you're the only one that struggles. And again, the antidote to that is, is just simply taking, just pause and being thankful for the blessings that God has given you, being thankful for what he has done for you. That takes the power out of envy. It's that attitude of gratitude. It really is the antidote to envy. Here's what's interesting. Uh, the story ends by saying this. Jesus says, he answered one of them. This is the guy who hired everybody to work for him. Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last See, this is really, really critical because what we realize is envy, it's, it's fueled by comparison. It's never content. But here's the devastating part to your soul. If all you are consumed is with, with what you don't have and can never get to that place where you're thankful for what you do have, for what God has done for you, you will never be able to come to that place spiritually where you mourn, where you say, Jesus, you know, I have fallen short. I'm not where you want me to be. And because that's reality, what we realize is envy will never be comforted because it keeps God at a distance. It never allows me to fully focus on who he is and what he has done for me. It never allows me to truly live because the foundation for life, that cornerstone that we build everything up, is on Jesus. Not only is he our doorway by which we go from fear to faith, Jesus is the foundation by which we build real, true life on. That life that gives me hope and joy and peace. That life that is lived to the fullest. That life where I realize the purpose and plan that he has for me. When I'm consumed by envy, what I don't have, instead of being thankful for what I do have, man, I will never be comforted. Socrates says that envy is the ulcer of the soul. It's the only deadly sin that offers nothing but pain. And it leads me down this terrible road because I'm only committed to doing life on my terms, the way that I want it, without God being involved at all. It just keeps God out at a distance. I can't bring myself to worship him because I'm too focused on all the things that I don't have. And I'm consumed with these things that are just temporary. I'm not willing to be thankful and show gratitude for the unbelievable blessings that God has, has shown me. And so I challenge you to consider this, this question. And I want you to, to really take this to heart today. Are you allowing envy 
to consume your soul. Would you just consider that for a second? Have you been focused on what you don't have instead of being thankful for what you do have? Envy sneaky like that. It'll sneak in your life and, and take you down a path that, that leads you away from God. It'll destroy your soul. Man, in Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who realize, I need Jesus. Blessed are those who realize, I can't do this on my own. Blessed are those who realize, man, I need Jesus as the foundation to build my life on. It's when we come to those moments that God meets us where we're at. He comforts us. He draws us close to him. So I want to challenge you to lean in in this moment, to, to draw close to Jesus, to make sure that your focus is on the right things. You're not focusing on all the things you don't have. You're focusing on the things that you do. Take a moment, give thanks. To be thankful, to, to have the attitude of gratitude regarding the blessings that God has given you. Take time to be thankful. And in that thankfulness, draw close to Jesus, realizing that true life, that life that is filled with hope and joy and peace is built on that foundation of Jesus. That's where he draws us. That's what he longs for us to be. That is the purpose and the plan that he has for us. So together as we close, would you just join me in singing this song as we praise God for who he is, what he has done for us, and realize that it really is in him that we build this life, this path to freedom that he longs for us to experience. Let's sing this together.